Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Well, yesterday was my 65th birthday. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, oh, he can't be that old. He, he just doesn't look. No, well, I am. You know, in spite of that, I am 65. So you might ask, well, how's your birthday going? Not so good. And it started last week, and let me explain. I've heard this in restaurants. I've got to tell you the story, and then you'll understand. I've heard this in, usually in restaurants. If you see an old guy in a restaurant, I mean really old guy. We don't have any old guys in here, but you know, I'm talking about old guys. If you see a really old guy in a restaurant, I have heard waitresses, and, and they mean well by this. They will say to him, they'll go up and say, how are you, young man? Have you ever heard that before? You know what I'm talking about? And that's one of my pet peeves, because I tell Sharon all the time, I said, that is code for you are really old. Because they don't mean that. How are you, young man? You know, he's 104 and can barely walk. And that's always code for you are really old. Old. Okay, last week we went to Wisconsin. I spoke at a banquet over there. And on the way back, we're crossing the bridge. Are you laughing yet, Sharon? Because she laughed at me then. Pull up to the toll booth. I rolled my window down. Looked up. How are you, young man? Sharon just started laughing. I bit my tongue. I bit my tongue. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. That is, that's code for you're really old when they call you that. And then yesterday on my birthday, I'm talking to my mother. I'm talking to my mother. And she says, yep, you turned 65. I said, yep. She said, it is so hard to believe that I have a son that's a senior saint. Love you too, Mom. But I guess the alternative, you know, you got to consider the alternative. I'm, I guess I'm glad I'm a, a senior saint. You see your bulletin this morning? What's on the front of it there is significant. I don't usually do themes for the year. Some pastors do, some don't. But I was motivated this year, and I'm going to explain why, to have the theme calling it Follow Me, based on Matthew 16, 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For those of us here at Myo Baptist Church, this is our theme for this year. In your Bibles, Matthew chapter 16, 24, or you can look up on the screen, that verse is there. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I was listening to Brother Paul Chapel the other day, and he has a theme every year for his church. That's just the way he operates, and that's fine. But I was listening, I said, you know, that wouldn't be a bad idea to have a theme for a church. But, I mean, you just don't want to pull a theme out of thin air. But I listened to him last Sunday night. That's one of the things I do often on Sunday nights is I'm, you know, these days you can... uh, 
on the internet, you can live stream and watch other preachers. I get to hear other preacher friends of mine who still have evening services, don't have afternoon services. And I, I was motivated. I thought, well, that would be good, but I don't have a thing. And then the next morning, I was watching on YouTube this gentleman, Oz Guinness. That's Oz Guinness right there. He is a, I would call him a Christian philosopher. He looks at the big picture. He's, 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 he's uh, British, but he lives in America now. He was born to missionary parents in China uh, a number of years ago. And he writes a lot of interesting books. And he's one of my favorite speakers, and thankfully he's got a lot of stuff on YouTube. So part of my morning devotions uh, last Monday was Oz Guinness. Because, again, I like the way he looks at the big picture of what's going on in the world. And he made that statement at the beginning of his talk. He was, he was talking. He speaks around the world. He was speaking to university students in the Netherlands. And near the beginning of his talk, he said, I've been following Jesus for 50 years. And I thought to myself, I've never heard anybody say that. None of you have I ever heard say that. You've never heard me say that. Or 50 years or any number of years. That, that specific statement. Never heard anybody say, I've been following Jesus. And that just struck me. And I paused it right there. And I got curious. I said, how much does the Bible talk about that, following Jesus? And I started looking up scripture, and I found it it says it a lot. I've heard lots of people now say, I'm saved. We were down at Art Van in um, Saginaw, and I mentioned that I was a pastor. And there was this uh, lady that we have become friends with from South America. Do you remember where in South America? Columbia, South America. And when I mentioned I was a pastor, she got excited. She's a neat lady, and I I hope that she'll come and visit us sometime. We kind of kept in communication with each other. But when I told her I was a pastor, she said, I'm saved. I'm saved. And I said, said, tell me about it. And she shared her testimony with us. I've heard lots of people say that. I've heard you say that. I've heard other people say, I'm a Christian. Probably we've all said that about ourselves, or that I'm born again. And that's common. Those phrases, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm a Christian. But I've never, and I asked Sharon, I said, has anybody ever said to you, I've been following Jesus for so many years? And and, and yet he said it. Oz Guinness said it. Well, what's the difference? Is there a difference? Am Am I nitpicking this morning? I don't think so. Think about it. One is a state of being. When you describe yourself as being saved or being a Christian or being born again, that is a state of being. That's the state of how you represent yourself. That is, that is who you are. But one is a state of doing. I'm following. You're really saying, if you think about it, and I'm not nitpicking this morning. I'm making, I think, a very important point to all of us. It's one thing to say I'm saved. That's a state of being. It's quite another thing to say I'm following. That is a state of doing. In other words, one is more or less passive. I am a Christian. I am saved. I am born again. That is passive. That is a, that is a label. But the other 
is active. It implies being active. It implies doing something, following Jesus. Now, to be sure, the Bible emphasizes both, and I'm not emphasizing one or another, although I am emphasizing follow me today. Again, the Bible emphasizes both. The state of being. In John chapter 10, verse number 9, it says, I am the door by me. me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Okay? It's a term we know, a term we use. John chapter 3, verse number 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. It's a very important statement. Again, commonly used by we Christians. In Acts chapter 26, verse number 28, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Again, those are Bible terms, good Bible terms. And we should, and hopefully you can label yourself this morning as being saved, being born again, or being a Christian. But understand this. The Bible also talks at length and often about following me, this state of, 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 of doing. For example, Mark chapter 10, verse number 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up thy cross, and, can we say it together, and follow me. Follow me. Something I want you to do. Follow me. In Luke chapter 5, verse number 27. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, help me, follow me. Yeah, I want you to do something. I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to follow me. John chapter 10, verse number 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now the Bible emphasizes both. The state of being and, as I call it, the the state of doing. But I think we Christians, we humans, tend to emphasize more the state of being. We're quick to say we're saved. We're quick to say we're born again. We're, We're quick to say we're a Christian. But truth of the matter is we seldom, if ever, label ourselves, as Os Guinness did, as a follower of Christ. And I think when you look up the word follower, particularly in the context of following Christ, we see why maybe so many of us aren't quick to label ourselves as followers because maybe, in reality, we're not meeting the definition. When follow is defined, it means to imitate, to copy, as to follow a pattern or model, to follow fashion. To obey, to observe, to practice, to act in conformity to. It means to adhere to, to honor, to worship, to serve. In America today, it's popular still to a great degree to call yourself a Christian. And we are often eager to wear that label. 
But can we honestly say that we are equally eager to bear the responsibility? We want to be labeled in most cases, although it is waning. We are eager in most cases to want to be labeled a Christian. We are not hesitant should someone ask you, oh, sure, I'm a Christian, I'm born again, I'm saved. Well, are you a follower of Christ? Well, I am. Well, let me define it. Well, then maybe not so much. It's easier, folks, to believe than to do, which may explain why we so seldom hear people refer to themselves as followers of Christ. It requires effort to be a follower. It requires energy. It requires commitment. It requires sacrifice. I can't soft soap at this point. There are huge blessings to being a Christian. But there are also equally enormous responsibilities that may even take you through some trials. It may, you know, also take you through some tribulations. We need to understand this very important truth that we are to be and that we are to do. We are to believe and that we are to be active. We must do what Jesus says. We must follow. Now, some of what I'm about to say, it it may step on your toes. Not me, but the Word of God may step on your toes this morning. But that's okay. That's why you come to church, to fix what's wrong in your life, to become a better Christian. Yeah, there's Sundays you come, I need to pat you on the back, I need to encourage you and give you some attaboys or girl. But there's also sometimes, if we're going to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God, that we might be made to feel a little uneasy. That's okay. God loves you. He wants the very best for you. We must do what Jesus says. We must follow. Think about it. You can't become a student and not go to class. You can't become a spouse and not meet the other's needs. You can't become a soldier and not show up for drills. If you're going to be a Christian, it's illogical then not to follow. So how do you follow Jesus? Well... And our theme verse for the year, it tells us very succinctly. And I want you to examine your heart this morning. And I want you to ask yourself, I'm not going to pass judgment over you because I don't know your heart and I don't know your life, but you do. I want you to ask yourself, can you say, as Oz Guinness said, I am a follower of Christ? Or can I be so bold as to say, Maybe I'm just more or less wearing the label. So how do you follow Jesus? Well, it says in our theme verse, Luke 9, 23, And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's right there in that verse. How do you follow Jesus this morning? Number one, make a conscious decision to follow Christ. He says, if any man will come after me. He's not going to force you. It is a choice. He says, if. You you can choose not to. God allows us to make that choice. We can choose to be saved, and we're born again, and we're saved, and we're going to heaven, and praise the Lord. But we can backslide and not follow. We can just try to live a very comfortable life for ourselves and not follow. 
It requires a conscious decision. I am going to follow. For example, I had to make a conscious decision about pastoring. I mean, I wasn't born a pastor, just like you aren't born again, you know, when you're born. You make that decision to be born again, and then I think there's another subsequent decision. Now, are you going to follow? And we see that in the case with Paul. We see that in the case of the disciples. There's sometimes they struggled with following. In fact, sometimes they didn't follow. They were still saved. Once you're saved, you're saved. Thank goodness for that. Once you become a child of God, you're his child. And he doesn't give you up for adoption. But sometimes you can choose not to follow. You can choose to ignore some of his directives, if you will, some of his, his teachings. You have to make a decision. There was a time I had to make a decision. Am I going to be a pastor? And I had to think about it, and I had to give it some thought, and I had to weigh it out. And I had to pray about it, and I had to search the word of God to, to, to see if that's what God wanted me to do. And you need to think about that this morning. Are you truly a follower? Are you active? Are you involved? Are you dedicated? Are you committed? Matthew Henry has a comment on that portion of this scripture. He says it denotes a deliberate choice and cheerfulness and resolution in that choice. Many are disciples more by chance or by the will of others than by any act of their own will. But Christ will have his people volunteer. The Lord wants you to choose to follow. And I hope you will analyze your own heart this morning and be honest with yourself. Am I more or less just wearing the label? Or am I a committed follower? Let me share with you a practical application. Part of preaching the word of God is to apply it to you. You know, we we hear this and, you know, a question you're going to ask yourself, I should ask myself is, okay, how does this apply to me? Choosing to follow Christ. And part of a pastor's responsibility is, is to interpret the word of God and to apply it to you. So it's not just something out there that you come and you hear and say, well, that was interesting. You know, and then you just go on your way. No, there's supposed to be, if I'm a good pastor, I'm going to give you a practical application. And this might be where some toes get stepped on, the application. If we just talk about it in theory, we might all go out of here thinking, well, yeah, I'm a follower. But when we start narrowing it down, you say, oh, that's what it means to follow? Hmm, maybe I'm not. Here's the practical application for point number one. Every time there's a service at church, you can choose to follow or not follow. There's your choice. God instituted this church. God instituted that we would meet. He allowed it up to this congregation as to when and how often, and we choose to meet 10 o'clock for Sunday school, 11 o'clock for service, and 1.30 this afternoon, and, you know, Wednesday nights. Now, I know some people, for health reasons, can't make all those services. I understand that. You, you, know, you don't have a problem with me on that. And I understand that some people have work schedules that, that conflict. I, I understand that. I I get that. I hope it'll work out someday where you can make it happen, but maybe right now that, that's a tough call. But truth of the matter is, every time the doors are open, you can choose to follow. I mean, his church, it's not my church. It's not your, it's his church. You know, he wants us meeting. Through us, he's said, you're going to meet Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and Wednesday night. 
How about this? Every time you're given an opportunity to witness, you can choose to follow or not follow. Are you a follower of Christ? Do you let opportunities go by because you choose not to follow? He's given you, I don't know why I'm using the word directive this morning, but he's given you a directive, you know, we're to be witnesses. And you have an opportunity and you think, "Eh, I'm not going to pass. Guess what? You just chose not to follow. How about this one? Every time you get a check, the opportunity to tithe, you can follow or you can choose not to follow. Because he clearly teaches it. He clearly teaches assembling ourselves together. He clearly teaches that we are to be witnesses. He clearly teaches that we are to be generous and, and, and happy in our giving. But he says, if you choose to follow, we can make that choice. So if you are indeed a follower of Christ, you have made the decision that I am going to follow. I am going to live it. I am going to learn the Bible. Ignorance of the Bible is no excuse. All the more reason to be in God's house when the doors are open. So, you know, understand that to follow Christ, according to his words, it means you've made the decision to do, it is a conscious decision that you're working at. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes we mess up. And sometimes we backslide. We, we all do, especially my wife. Oh, you talk about backsli- backsliding comes so easy to her. <laughs> just kidding, just, just kidding. You know, I, I, we're not going to be perfect. And, and by the way, this is not beyond your capacity to do it. He's not going to command of us something we can't attain. That would be mean. To ask your child, a five-year-old, to do something that he's not equipped to do, no parent's going to do that. No, no God is going to ask us to choose him when it's beyond our capacity to do that. Somehow Satan puts in our mind, oh, you don't live that life of a Christian. You talk about, a, oh, that's just going to be too hard. It's going to be too tough. I can't handle it. I can never achieve that. Well, not in our own flesh. We're not. No, but with his help and being faithful in church and getting some good godly friends, sure you can. Is it going to be difficult at times? Sure it is. Are we going to mess up at times? Sure it is. But you keep going back to ground zero where you made that decision. I am going to be more than a label. I am going to be a follower. How do you do that? Number two, again, number one, make a conscious decision to follow Christ. Number two, forsake your sinful and selfish desires. In that passage, well, said there 2,000 years ago in Israel, Let him deny himself. If Jesus were standing on this platform this morning, he would look at every one of us and he would say, deny yourself. That is the last thing we Americans want to do. We want to do it our way. The old Burger King commercial, have it your way. You cannot go your sinful way and God's way at the same time. You can't go your way your sinful way, and God's way at the same time. You're going in two different directions. You have to deny your sinful and selfish desires, and we all have them. We all have to contend with our flesh. We all have to contend with with the world and the temptations that are out there. Look, we just went through the holidays, 
And the holidays, people love to give each other cookies and candies and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I did more of my share of partaking of those blessings than probably I have in a long time. But if I want to feel right, I've got to deny myself some things now. You know, somebody the other day, it must have been of Satan, they gave me a box of turtles. You know the candy, the turtles? There's nothing better in the world than turtles. I have been known to consume an entire box at one sitting. I've really been good so far. Thankfully, it was a small box that was given to me. I appreciate that. And I'm having to deny, to deny myself. If, if I want the blessings of feeling better than I did during the holidays, I have to deny myself. And that's what Jesus says. In fact, Barnes says, quoting and talking about this particular phrase, he said, that is, let him surrender to God his will, his affections, his body, his soul. Let him not seek his own happiness as the supreme object, but be willing to renounce all and lay down his life also if required. That's how serious it is to follow Jesus. That's why some followed him for a ways and said, hey, you know, enough of this. We're out of here. And even the disciples at times said, "Uh uh-uh, we can't go on. This This is too much. But for those who pursue, those who make it through the rough spots, those who when they may mess up, but at their core, they're wanting to get there. There are so many blessings. You have to deny yourself. Practical application number two. People who deny themselves the things that... Wait, I have it different up there than I do on my notes. People who deny themselves alcohol, tobacco, and drugs are following Christ. Because he clearly teaches that our bodies are the temple of the Lord. And we should not defile our bodies in any way. People who deny themselves, people who are consuming themselves on this kind of stuff and say that they're Christians, the label may be accurate. They may indeed be a Christian. But are they, as we're talking about this morning, following Christ? That would be highly questionable. Number two, people who deny themselves the temptations of fornication, adultery, cohabitation, and pornography are following Christ. I understand that there's some preachers today that say, you know, pornography serves a purpose with some couples. You're not going to find that in Scripture. Now, you may be a born-again Christian, and you may be partaking in, in some of this. But to do that, and at the same time call yourself a follower of Christ, it, it doesn't add up. People who deny themselves all their desires and goals and dreams that are not God's will are following Christ. There are a lot of people that decide, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do next week. This is what I'm going to do with my life. This is what I'm going to pursue. This is where I'm going to live. This is who I'm going to marry. This is going to be my vocation. And they never consider God's will. I guarantee you, a lot of them are naive enough to think, yeah, I'm following Christ. Well, have you prayed about it? Are you sure you're supposed to be dating him or her? Are you sure you're supposed to be working there? Are are you sure you're supposed to be doing this? Well, this following Christ is serious, and that's why so many people, when Christ was alive, had a hard time doing it. 
But again, I remind you, in fact, I encourage you, we're to pursue it. That's where the blessings are. That's where the happiness is. We'll talk about that more in a second. So, number one, you follow Christ by making a conscious decision to do so. Knowing that you have to forsake your sinful and selfish desires. And number three, make the cause of Christ your cause. Embracing it. Taking it on. For he says in that same verse, and take up his cross daily. He told that individual, you must take up your cross daily. Again, that's something we Americans into ourselves don't want to hear. So you're going to have to change your thinking. We have to be willing to take up our cross daily. We must be willing to bear any burden or pay any price that comes our way because we are followers of Christ. You know, I went to LSU. I graduated from LSU. I'm an LSU fan. I I bleed purple and gold. And, you know, I'm I'm into it. I I am on board. I will take take the good with, with the bad. You know, in this past football season, bad things happen. I'm not jumping ship. I will... Pull for the Tigers. You know, when I moved up here and I heard y'all talking about the Tigers, I thought, everybody's LSU fans up here. You know, everybody's pulling for the Tigers. I didn't know there were other Tigers. But there are. But, I mean, you, you, you get on board and, and you commit yourself through, through thick and thin. That's what he's saying. You have to bear, take up his cross. You got to take up your cross. Listen, the Christian life is the best life there is. But even us Christians, our tires go flat, our batteries go dead. But I wouldn't trade being a Christian for anything in the world. Matthew Henry said of that phrase, The cross is here put for our sufferings. As men are Christians, providential afflictions, persecutions for righteousness' sake, every trouble that befalls us, either for doing well or for doing ill, it is just part of it, bearing the cross. Practical application. What does this mean today? We're reading something Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Part of my responsibility is to make it applicable, applicable to you and I today. Practical application number one. When you're criticized by family members for your zeal for church, but you don't slow down, you are a follower of Christ. Sometimes people will criticize us for our faith, and no big deal, but when it's a family member... Sometimes we have family members that are lost. And sometimes we have family members that have the label Christian, but, you know, it's, it's really superficial, their faith. It's, it's convenience. And when they see your excitement and your involvement in soul winning and your involvement and together, uh, what, what do we do in October? What do we call it? Uh, what? Love works. Yeah, you get involved in love works. Somebody, you know, you're, you're taking this a little too seriously. Not according to the person we are following, what he said. Now, if we're going to follow him, let's follow him. let's, Let's understand that we sometimes are called upon to carry his cross. When you keep a good spirit after being made fun of for your faith by co-workers, then you are a follower of Christ. When you keep serving after friends think you're crazy for your involvement at church, you are a 
follower of Christ. Very quickly. Why should you commit to everything? Why, why should you commit your whole life and everything about your life to follow Jesus? Because that's what he told him. He said, follow me. Well, in the very next verse, after the one that's on the front of your bulletin, in the very next verse, verse number 25, he says this. And we're done. He says, here's the reason you do it. For, that's going back to the previous verse, if any man follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Let's break that down. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. He said, this is the reason you follow me. This is the reason you put up with the tough stuff. This is the reason you deny yourself. This is the reason you bear your cross. This is the reason to make a decision that unbelievers will never understand. He says, because for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. One theologian says, he who greedily grasps at his own pleasure to the neglect of higher interests so impoverishes his nature by his mean and narrow way of living that his life is really ruined. It seems as if those people that are most intent on saving their life, living their life according to their rules and their plans, they ultimately miss out. For whosoever will save his life, protect his life, defend his life, this is what I want to do, these are my plans, these are my desires, you're going to lose it. You're not going to find what you're looking for. But then he says, whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. That same writer says, the abandonment of selfish aims is the acquisition of heavenly treasures. There is a blessedness in the life of obedience and self-surrender that the selfish can never know. You think about Selfish young people. I'm gonna, I'm, I don't care what mom and dad says. You think about selfish adults. I'm, I'm not going to go to that church. No, they, they, there's too many restrictions. I, I, I'm going to do what I want. They are the most miserable people on earth. How, how often, we hear it regularly of, of movie stars, uh, you know, people that you know, have the fame and all the fortune. You'd think they'd be the happiest people in the world, just playing with their toys all day long. And they overdose or they commit suicide? Go outside these doors. Go into the laboratory. I like to call it, when you go through these doors, the laboratory of life and test out this hypothesis. And see if people who pursue selfish interests typically, most often, are not the most miserable people on the earth. And those people who say, no, I am going to follow Jesus, are the most contented. They may not have the biggest houses, fanciest houses, fanciest cars. It may be Grandma Moses sitting on her front porch in Mississippi, just sitting there rocking and humming with the peace of God in her heart. And the multi-millionaires with their toys and whatever are still looking. Alcoholics, druggies. I like this quote. Happiness is not attained by directly aiming at it. It comes in a surprise to him who is not seeking it when he is busy in unselfish service. 
following him. I really thought when I heard Oz Guinness say, I, I actually, I was watching it on my iPad and I paused. He said, I've been following Christ for 50 years. Interesting. I have never in my life spoken to a person that has said that to me. And there's a reason why. Because if push comes to shove, oftentimes we, myself included, must realize we got the label. But we're being passive. We're not being active. My challenge to all of us this year and our theme for this year and we're going to carry on that theme this afternoon as we look to the future as far as our church. Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's challenging at times. And you're going to mess up at times. And I'm going to mess up at times. But God knows my heart. I mess up. I'm a preacher. I'm made out of the same sinful flesh you are. I face temptations and, and what have you like you do. But at my core, I can think I can say my desire. When, when, when I'm disappointed in myself, when I feel guilty, when I've let the Lord down, where I fall is I really want to follow. And Lord, with your help, I'm going to try better this next time. We should all desire this year, 2017, brand new year still yet, to truly be followers of Christ. And we ought to want to know what that means in detail and how it applies to us and then pursue it with everything we have. And when we mess up or get off course, we say, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to get back in the saddle and move forward again. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.